Welcome to The Christian Atheist, where faith and reason fuse in the Incarnation. Episode number 119, Chatterview with Bill the Mad Scott Patterson, part two of our discussion. So, after having done this series, which mm. really is dedicated to you, you sort of inspired me to do it. It came out when the Mounted Bald Aphixio thing, which I'm fascinated by, but I don't, know that, I don't know if it fascinates you or not. I don't know if my other listeners are all that interested in it, but it was something that I took great interest in. But then I tied it to this critique of the higher critics. And I'm wondering, since you've listened to it now, the whole thing, sorry to put you through that, how effectively do you think I managed to make the case that this is something we don't need to really even pay that much attention to, other than the fact that it's destroyed a whole generation or generations of belief in mm -hmm. our cultures. Yeah, uh, I think many, many preachers that I've listened to over many years have pointed out, and Billy Graham especially, and Ken Ham and a few others, they're very particular in pointing out that we were losing the whole generation. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, kids were going into university and the first thing they're trying to witness or they're trying to question what's been taught to them mm -hmm. and they're being sneered at by the lecturer. Oh, yeah. You know, you know what I mean? That's just ten a penny. I, I think the attack should be in the church itself is to prepare these kids for what's coming at them. What happens and tends to happen, and it happened to me, is not being prepared. I walked into this, and there was I got both barrels of this terrible nonsense. Like I mean, it was like walking into a woke culture. And my goodness, I I went a hundred percent the other direction entirely for twenty odd years. I don't regret it. I, I think I learned so much. I was forced eventually to face up to what I was being taught back then. And what I know is that it is literally rubbish. Yeah. It's not, it's not worth, as you, as you ended up saying, really, this is not to be considered. Yeah. I mean, I was just thinking about the books that I was asked to look at and read and read chapters of. And these things are thick, thick books and they're highly, highly technical theological books. A professor would struggle to read. And they were asking us to, to reproduce some of the parts of what they were saying. But I'm trying to think of an analogy that would say what I mean. I, I actually became one of the librarians. I used to help out in the library, in the Divinity Library. And the place was stacked with all these books. And that got to the point where I thought, no, this is... The point I'm getting to is that somewhere around 20 odd years ago, the Lord put me in a place to say, look, you need to make your mind up what this mm -hmm. is. And I did. And yeah. I think you said something similar where you made your mind up. You said, yep. no, this is the way of it. Right. Since then, I have not looked at any of the JEDP stuff at all. I've yeah. been looking at the Bible. I right. said to you the other day that you were quoting various scholars from way back mm -hmm. when, you know, but then that's that's in your toolbox. That's yep. not in my toolbox. My toolbox is much more primitive, much more straightforward. Yeah. I go to the text and I say, yeah. that's what it says. I quoted to you Genesis 1, John 1, 
and Proverbs 3. And, and that's the way I function, and that's the way I understand the Bible. I mean, I had Matthew Henry for a long time. He's quite good, a commentator, mm-hmm. but he's from way back when, you know. So my discovery over many years has been to just turn to the Bible mm-hmm. and wait for God and the Holy Spirit to show me what it means. And sometimes I don't like what it tells me, <laughs> you know. But yep. but then that's the way of it. Somebody described what B-I-B-L-E stands for. Something like, yeah, a book yep. of instructions before leaving us. Okay, yep, yep. <laughs> yeah, some of that. <laughs> but I don't hold with, I mean, I would certainly not encourage anyone to try and understand any of that stuff. Well, we human beings have an amazing capacity to deceive ourselves and mm-hmm. to live in our minds. One of the things that sticks out to me constantly from Paradise Lost, Milton, is Satan says the mind is its own place and mm-hmm. can make the heaven of hell a hell of heaven. And when we think that our mind is superior to the reality that God gives us to learn from, then we're in deep, deep trouble. And we can weave incredible stories and mm-hmm. incredible theories together and make them fit the facts around us in such a way that it's like, wow. How can you possibly believe anything but this? And yet, Mm. it's all wrong. It's just wrong. And the only way we can really know that is, one, to see the results. Because I think ultimately the results end up playing out because that's the way God set up the world. But Mm. smart, if we're smart, we'll learn about it from the Bible and Mm -hmm. correct correct ourselves first. Because those are the two ways in which we do it. When God tells us what the case is, we're better off just agreeing. And Jenny's smiling at me. Well, I, I said to you last week that as an eight-year-old, I discovered God in amongst all the the uh, songs that we were singing in primary school. You know, we plough the fields and scatter. Well, I lived in a big city, so I, I was never, ever ploughing a field and scattering the good seed on the land, you know. So, yeah. It didn't quite gel with me, but I still had such a sense of this awesome figure, God. Yeah, yeah. And he was there through all the years, and I came across him so many different times. And then I discovered years later that the Bible itself is open to approximately an eight-year-old's level of education. You know, they can understand virtually all of it, perhaps not predestination but that aside you know what's an eight-year-old what's that fifth grade sixth grade and all that sort of stuff what grade is an eight-year-old hey jenny what grade is an eight-year-old in do you know third grade okay right so some somebody was saying that a third grade child could understand the bible that was me as an eight-year-old and and if it requires a professor's mind to understand it then it should be wrong (laughs) <laughs> we should understand it. No, seriously. Not, yeah, not, I know what you're saying. Uh, it's, some of the best Christians I know know so very little about the Bible, but they understand it from reading it straightforwardly. Yes. There's, there's, there's many people I know who I look up to, yep. and they have no degrees, nothing. Yep. They just live the life, you know. Yep. Some um, of the smartest people I know have had almost no formal education. 
Yeah. I've come to the place where I just say, no, I'm going nowhere near. I, I've had a notion to get back into the Greek. I've got a notion to go back into the Hebrew. But the question is, to what purpose? Because it's there in English for me. Yeah, I studied Greek in uh, Bible college, and mm. I love that I had it. But right now, I don't have the time to to study it. So I've let most of it slide, but I know enough to be able to, you know, check out words here and there and mm. follow syntax a little bit, Which so it's helpful. I'm glad I had it. But the Hebrew, boy, that would take a lot of work for me to go back in and, and learn Hebrew at this point. Yeah, well, we have it in English, so. Yep. Exactly. There, was, there was, what, 41 translators for the King James Version. Some serious bibliophiles, shall we say, mm-hmm. in that translation, you know, so. Okay. Any criticisms of yours truly that you would like to offer? <laughs> <laughs> what do I get wrong? Well, again, I, I still stress the emphasis on Socrates, etc., you went, away, you went away off into tangents that were kind of not necessary, really. It's simply because I have a different viewpoint. I said right. to you last week, at some stage last week, I said to you, look, this is where we part company. Yep. And I think you went, oh, dear, what, what have I said? And I, it was just <laughs> that I, I've come through a different... I mean, honestly, we, we've both come through a similar route to the same conclusion yep, we have you know but yep. you have you have as you say to- the toys in the sandbox i right. have my own toys in the sandbox which tend to be from my experience of talking to people i mean i was talking to someone today i know the man maybe 10 or 15 years we've talked about every kind of subject under the sun and i, pr- I was praying about him that it would open up to talking about god and of course, I'd forgotten about the prayer, and he's busy chatting to me about, well, would you ever think about being a lay preacher? And I said, no, not at all. <laughs> and I'm thinking, why on earth is he asking me that question, you know? <laughs> and, uh, talk about answer to prayer, so, yeah, you know, that's that's the kind of thing that I come up And somebody was mentioning about miracles. I can't remember if it was yourself, maybe. The miracles of answered prayer are just unreal. I've seen more answers to prayer. I, I guess this is God's way of like reinforcing the step or something. But I remember as a Christian before I walked away that mm. I had lots of prayers and I, I guess I could have said, you know, I can interpret this as a, as an answer to prayer. I could interpret that as an answer to prayer. But since I've come back, it's like there are specific things that I have prayed and <laughs> I know they were answered exactly mm-hmm. from God. And yeah. it's, it, it's a reinforcing thing, but it's almost like, I don't know, maybe I needed to go through all of that other stuff to be able to see more clearly the simple reality of God right in front of me. And then yeah. suddenly in the answer prayer, very often, especially for me recently, with all the changes that are taking place with separating and we're yeah. moving into a new house and all of that. The sense of humor God has, you know, I just sometimes I'll sit down and just go, oh, help me, God, would you ever just help me? And it might just be a financial thing and the next thing, but it won't happen immediately. But then suddenly circumstances will change in such a way that uh, somebody's, I mean, 
I had no plans to buy a car. Yeah. I was I was choosing not to have a car. And it was Hazel persuaded me, look, you need to buy a car. I said, but I don't really want to have a car. I don't want the expense, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And she forced me into buying this car, which, I mean, to be honest, it's, it's a nice car. It's a, a hybrid. And yep. It will do the job. But, um, you know, all those kind of things. That, he's in charge of the... I mean, I'm in a one-bed granny flat, which is... Miraculous. Mm-hmm. This area for renting places is near impossible to get a place. Yeah. And I picked up a number at the local credit union, which is a kind of a people's bank thing. Mm-hmm. And I took a number down from an advert and I'd gone to see another place. And I was just so fed up with the search because I knew the search was going to be difficult. Yeah. And I left the phone and I phoned this number. And uh, I'm phoning to see, is the flat still available? And she said, yes, it's still available. I said, okay. <laughs> so that didn't prove to me that I was going to get it, you know. Yeah, yeah. And then she says, um, what's your situation? I said, well, I'm retired. I'm looking to get a place for about the next six months while I wait for my house to be ready. And uh, uh, next thing she says, oh, you sound like the perfect person. <laughs> and, and I'm thinking, is this real? You know. <laughs> and then she starts to describe, she, she gave me the, the directions and I came away over. And it was quite a journey back to Bantry. And I was talking to her and it was like a surreal conversation. She said, those young folks have been crawling all over this place to take that house. Everybody's wanting that yeah. house. Yeah. <laughs> You're perfect. And it wasn't until I came into the house and she went away and I sat down and I went, oh, thank you, Lord. You know? Yes. Because I mean, it's a miracle. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. We get criticized from, from the unbelievers. And I remember as an atheist thinking myself about how crazy Christians are for thinking all of those things. But we are surrounded by the miraculous. Day by day, God is evident in my life with Jenny over and over and over. I just, I, you know, I know he's there. I know he's working because the way things work out constantly is directed by his hand. And uh, there's just no other way to look at it. uh, There's times when you go, hmm. And that's when the doubts call come in and you say, mm, don't know, don't know, <laughs> you know, and then yeah. the next thing. Yeah. That's, where the, that's where the sense of humour is, because yeah. uh, you're put into a place where, I mean, I was absolutely desperate for a place to stay, but not thinking I would get one, because literally there's nothing here about, you know. Right. So, yeah, but the sense of humour came in because... I turned up and it was like having an interview for a job you were told you were already getting, you know. It was, it was the most surreal experience. Well, speaking about sense of humor, that uh, I think from the, the second email I got from you, I saw your sense of humor. <laughs> that, of course, was for me a, a big spark. It's like, yeah, mm-hmm. that's the greatest thing. And I... That is something that I see in the Christians that I find most appealing, the people that I really want to be around. They don't mm. take things so seriously. No. They, 
they see the world as this playground that God has given us. Mm-hmm. And I think God plays with us too. <laughs> Have yeah. you, did you happen to listen to our most recent No Compromise? Jenny and I just put it out on Thursday. And no. it talks about, okay, it talks about the scene in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe where Aslan is playing with the girls after he comes back to life, after the resurrection. Mm-hmm. And just that notion that God has us on this kind of wild ride, and mm. we can never really predict what it is he's going to do, because mm. he is <laughs> he has a sense of humor, but he also has a sense of what it is exactly that we need, even though we don't know it. He gives us the desires of our heart when we don't even know what the desires of our heart are. And well, here's me. Here's my situation. Right, I I was. I could barely walk. I was living in Glasgow. I was disabled, basically. I met this lady online. We got to know each other. We got married. I moved to Dublin, which mm-hmm. is kind of northeast from here, so about 400 miles here. So we built this new house because of the church that we'd come to visit. And the two of us said the same thing. It'd be lovely to live here. And we ended up living here. Yeah. Now the situation is we're separating. Um, I'm going to end up in Bantry. Literally, I could be anywhere, you know. Yeah. I don't need yeah. to be in Bantry. She's moving away to a place called Bandon, where she comes from. She was raised up there. And I was just thinking, again, it's a sense of humor, you know. I'm left in the middle of where we decided to be, and she's going, off, she's going to disappear off with Mother. To other place, you know, it just it seemed ironic when I thought about it. But I, I just go with the flow, as you say. There's going to be some reason for all this, you know. I just don't know what it is, but yep, I'm waiting to see. So I'll tell you the one thing: I'm not very good at making serious financial decisions, <laughs> and the financial decision I, I had to make was this unlimited Wi-Fi. Right. I went up to the house yesterday and I took my phone out and I found that I could get perfect Wi-Fi. So it was like a no-brainer. I should have just ordered it up right away. Because whenever I move into the new house, I'll have perfect Wi-Fi. In the time that you went for your walk, that's what I did. I went online and talked to a chap and got it all sorted. And that's what cut me off when we were (laughs) chatting to each other. Because it kicked in. I'm on infinite Wi-Fi, which is fine. But the one, one of the things that I'm wanting to do is, with all the links that Jenny gave me, I'm going to be watching all kinds of uh, YouTube stuff, and I've got a massive, like, 50-inch TV to watch it on. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm going to be busy, busy, busy. So well, that's fun, because, I mean, Jenny and I, too, we kind of feel like we're on this course of uh, uh, no longer getting caught up in the I got to be careful here. Church has become so standardized and Mm. it almost feels like they're not searching for God anymore. And Mm -hmm. all of the things that we're doing, it feels like we're on this this journey towards him, discovering him. And part of that is like these videos that she's seeing, too. But she's Mm. helped me to see a lot of the things that I miss along the lines of some of the critiques you've offered for me. (laughs) So I'm I'm learning and growing and wherever it takes me, if it takes me closer to God, 
that's fantastic because that's all I want to know yeah. him better. And the more I get to know him, the more I trust him. And she's, I think, farther along that path. Like you said before, she, I think faith comes easier for her than it does for me. But I think, um, I think the biggest problem I find with church is finding inspiration from the, the preachers yeah. mainly. Yeah. You know, I, I can kind of go or not go with the worship side of things. I'm not really into the modern stuff at all. Yeah, no, uh, us either. I kind of disagree with some of what they're doing, you know, and, uh, but that's, that's only the first half hour or so. So I sometimes just turn up late to miss it. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm in the midst of changing churches now because the church, I kind of went back to the church that we built the house for. The guys that do the preaching there are turgid. That's the only way I can describe them. Oh, turgid. Gotcha. Yeah. 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 They, they are so tedious and okay. uninspiring. All right. Yeah. I don't ever find myself sitting up and taking notes and, mm. you know. Um, Getting excited about the message? I'll get more excited about the, the list for what I'm going to get in the shop on the way home, you know. <laughs> yep, I know what you're saying. And yet I find, I mean, that guy this morning, fabulous. Uh-huh. I've discovered him. I'll go back to him. There's a few sermon audio that are very good. Mm-hmm. But you have to be very careful because some of them are just, again, you know, a bit strange ideas, but. You know, I've found various people through the years. Billy Graham is fabulous. You know, I listen yeah. to Billy Graham a lot. You know, Ken Ham and a few others, uh, Answers in Genesis, and a lot, a lot of the links that Jenny has given me. So thanks for chatting, Bill. Okay. And, you know, stay in touch, man. <laughs> mm-hmm. Will do. Anyway, listen, take care. You God too. bless. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I am a Christian with the searching and skeptical mind of an atheist. I don't want to believe anything that isn't true. I know both sides of the looking glass, and I know them with open eyes. I choose Christ's side. I invite you to join me from wherever you stand before the looking glass. That's this week's episode. Thanks for listening, and remember, you can have your religious cake and eat it too. You can have reason, respect for science, a 21st century worldview, and be a Christian.